Welcome back, everybody. It's going to be a great day today. We are chatting with, uh, it's MUFON Day. And as a lot of you know, Jason is a MUFON investigator. And uh, today we have Jeremy Ray. Uh, you might have seen him on uh, Hangar One UFO Files, uh, also the Alaska Triangle, field investigator, now chief investigator for Colorado of MUFON. Uh, here's a guy who's literally been involved with hundreds, if not thousands of cases, separate the garbage from the good. And Jason, as you know, that's probably not a very easy thing to do. It's a lot of work. This guy's been at it for a long time. And to get to the level that he's at, he's even a star team investigator as well. Like you got to know your stuff. You got to be good. And the dedication that it takes to work uh, for free, right? This is yeah. a, a, a non-profit organization. So nobody's making any money uh, doing this. So the fact that he's been doing it for what, 17 years now, uh, it's crazy. That uh, shows dedication. Yeah. And I want to ask him too, as a guy who's seen you know everything heard everybody's story when you go to bed at night what do you think like now that you've been given all these little bits of the puzzle a lot of us don't have what do you actually think about the whole phenomenon and i like getting these people sort of it's taken them years to form their opinion as of now and i'm curious to know what him and some of our other guests this year's right now opinion is so we're gonna ask them all that and i'll be right back after our intro with uh, mufon's jeremy ray Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of UAP Studies Podcast. I am Louis Borges. Joining me, as always, my good friend and illustrious co-host, Jason Gilmet. How you doing? I am doing very good. I was going to say uh, this in a previous episode, but you have not gained any weight at all during the holidays, Louis. And, I haven't gained uh, weight since I was 18 years old. I'm the track and field hockey player that can eat whatever he wants and never gain a pound. And everybody hates me for it, but... <laughs> If I wanted to put on 20 pounds, I would have a hard time to do that. So you, you can be like a uh, Christian Bale that could just uh, put on or lose pounds as you, as you wishes. Yeah. And Matthew yeah. McConaughey's got a thing for doing that too. Looking all gaunt and starving, you know, just to, to make a role happen. But, but today's MUFON day, a couple of MUFON guys in the house here, Jason, you're a member of MUFON and our guest Jeremy Ray is also, uh, and we want to welcome Jeremy Ray. Um, many of you have seen him on TV, star of shows like uh, Hangar One, UFO Files and the Alaska Triangle. Uh, he's been researching over 15 years in California, Colorado, and uh, Texas as well. Uh, currently he's a chief investigator for Colorado MUFON and uh, even did some work with uh, Bigelow Aerospace, Bass, uh, looking at some high-profile UFO cases as well. So a uh, very warm welcome to the show, Mr. Jeremy Ray. Thank you. Thanks for bringing me on this awesome show. I appreciate it, sir. Appreciate having you, man. It's our, our favorite thing to do on a Sunday is chat about UAPs and all things uh, UFO and alien related. And uh, we want to pick your brain. You've been doing this a long time. Uh, but for some of our viewers who aren't familiar with you, maybe sure. tell us a little bit about yourself and uh, what got you into this field. Oh, that's easy. I, yeah, I'm... Um... I joined MUFON in, two, well, what got me into this field is I didn't believe in UFOs when I was a kid growing up. I, I saw one with my own eyes, and that day changed my entire life. And from that day forward, which 1996 to now, I've been heavily just trying to solve the mystery. I mean, I know UFOs are real. My main questions are, who are they? Why are they here? Um, what do they want? Those are three questions I haven't had an answer to yet. And I've been doing, I've been in MUFON for about 17 years now, but um, 
yeah, kind of hopping around here. What it, how it started it was March the twentieth, nineteen ninety six. I was a cadet at uh, Marine Military Academy, and I was home uh, for spring break. And uh, my hometown was uh, during a time was Victoria, Texas. We lived in a real nice neighborhood. It was called Bramblebush, and uh, one of my buddies he had a pickup truck and he had a driver's license. I didn't have a driver's license yet. I was, I, was, I think I was about 17. And our plan was we were going to go to South Padre Island and uh, party. And somehow I was going to score the beer and all this kind of stuff. So I had this surefire plan and we were going to have a great time. Well, anyway, that didn't happen. I was walking over to his house, came around the corner. The neighborhood kind of curves a little bit. And when I came around, there was this light hovering about treetop level big sucker and it was bright it was brighter it was brighter than the sun but it didn't hurt your eyes to look at it it was really weird and strange and i i stood there for about five minutes and i couldn't figure out what it was so i started ringing the doorbells to get neighbors out of the house because i figured well i'll get a grown-up out here to tell me what this is and um so i walked across the street rang the doorbell Neighbor came out. I didn't know him because there were many houses down from where I lived. And so I introduced myself and um, I said, I said, hi, I'm Jeremy Ray. I'm, I'm your neighbor down the street. I just happened to be walking in the neighborhood and I see this light right over here and I can't tell what it is. And I was hoping maybe you could tell me what it is, sir. So he had an awning kind of thing to where he couldn't see. So he had to step out. And when he stepped out, he looked at the object and then he looked at me and he goes, holy mary mother of god and then he turned around and went back inside his house and i thought that was kind of strange reaction because it's just a light you know it's obviously some kind of weather phenomenon or something i just needed a scientific answer so i could go on with my day so i started walking down the sidewalk to ring another neighbor's door and when i did that the first neighbor his name was dick he came out with his wife and he had a camera and sunglasses and he was he was ready to rock. So I turned back around and walked back. And I go, so so this isn't normal, is it? He goes, no, it isn't. This, I've never seen anything like this in my life. So when I started to walk, when I stood beside him, I said, like, let's see. You think we can get a picture of it? Because the sun was up here and the UFO was right under the sun. So the sun just beating down your eyes. It was around three o'clock in the afternoon. And um so anyway, Dick brought the camera up. It was one of those old ones that you have to wind up. And he brought it up. And when he brought it up, the object shot right up into the sun to where we couldn't see it. I mean, it actually reacted to Dick's movement. So I thought it was going to leave. So I told Dick, put the camera down. And as soon as he brought the camera down, the object came back to its original position. And that's when we knew it was under some kind of intelligent control. I mean, we were, we were shocked. So I wanted to get under it because the sun was in my face. So I walked towards it. And when I was walking towards it, it started to back up. Now it stayed at the pace of my, my walking pace. Okay. So for me, it just looked like the object was there and I just wasn't getting to it, but they were standing still and they were like, yes, it's backing away from you. And I was arguing with them saying, no, it's, it's not backing away. It's right here. Cause I stop and I don't see it moving. And I start moving. I just can't get to it. I think the best way to describe what this object looked like you're walking in a parking lot and you saw the sun beat down on a bumper that's what it looked like it was like a bright light with these streaks coming out on the side so anyway i walked back the object followed me and i figured well it's not going to let me get under it 
So since it's following me, I'll just let it follow me and I'll walk past Dick and his wife. And once it comes, and I told him, I say, once it goes over your head, tell me what you see. So I walked past him and it stopped before it went over him. And then this way I flanked around it when I got behind it. And I was in uh, Mrs. Ladwick's yard and rang her doorbell and got her out. And uh, anyway, this object hung around for 15 minutes. I got a really good look at it. Uh, I'm skipping a few things. Uh, one time when Dick's like, yeah, I can see more of the sunglasses. I put, I was like, well, let me take a look. So I put the sunglasses on and what I could see in the light was like, I call them four iron bars. There was actual metal structure up there. Like what I said, what I saw with my normal eyes, just a bright light. But when I put the sunglasses on, I could see these bars and I could see the light pulsate around the bars to where you couldn't see the bars anymore. Right. And then it would pulsate back and I would see it. It was almost like it was breathing. So we knew there was something up there. So I was getting kind of excited. I told Miss Ladwick and she freaked out and um, I think she said, oh my God. And she walked directly under it. And when she got under it, it took off. And the best way to describe it is if you had a rubber band and you cut the rubber band and you held one end and I held the other and we let go of it. It just looked like it folded upon itself. And I can't tell you which direction it went. It was so fast. I just remember everybody's shadows got real dark. And when I looked up, it looked like a rattlesnake and the scales were lighting up with beautiful like neon colors purple pink and blue and it was just flashing and it just bam i mean like in a second so like i say that one day that one day changed my life and move on we we have a uh, you know the jock valet classification system close encounters of the fifth kind um i think yeah i think it's reality transformation and that is true my whole reality changed uh, just what i believed was impossible it's now possible i mean i just i didn't care about going to south padre island i didn't care about doing that was not important anymore i what was important was to try to figure out what this was and then over years you know this in the 90s it wasn't acceptable um you, i went through the ridicule factor over and over trying to justify what i've seen and uh, in my small town, reputation is important, and I didn't care about that. It was more important to me. And I just remember one day when I was 18, I said, you know, when I get older and I grow up, I'm going to educate the public about UFOs because this is real, and we got to figure out what it is because even the grown-ups don't have an answer. To me, that was a big, you know, when you're growing up as a kid, you think the grown-ups know everything. They don't because even me right now, I still don't know what it was that I saw, and I've looked at thousands of ufo pictures that come in to move on and i still haven't found one that looks exactly like the one i saw yeah so that kind of um over years uh when i got into college i was studying in it and i just didn't want to do it and i thought about man i want to be a ufo investigator that's what i want to do so i looked it up and i realized they don't pay <laughs> and uh yeah. i was like you know what screw it i'm gonna do it anyway and i've been with move on for 17 years i started out in california investigator there under Ruben Urorte. He was my uh, state director during the time he trained me. And then I moved to Texas right before Stephenville happened. And I believe Ken Cherry was a state director during that time. And that's the time I got on the star team. And we'll, we'll get on to that in a minute. And then uh, I moved up to Colorado and I've been here ever since. I think I've been here for over 12 years and I'm chief investigator of Colorado MoFon. So yeah, 
Is Colorado like a hot spot as well uh, for, uh, for UAP activity? Yes, sir. Yeah. Yep. You got all the nice military bases around here. I mean, you name it. Yeah. You got North Command. You've got, you got everything. I mean, the question is, what are these UFOs? Are these some high tech, uh, new, you know, aerospace drones that we're thinking it's something else, or or there's are there others? I think the answer to that question is true on both. Right. So yes, there's a lot of activity in Colorado. There's a lot of activity in California, Texas. Um, I know we talk about hot spots a lot sometimes, but every state, every state has got UFO reports coming in. I mean, it's you as a MUFON investigator, or you can get into CMS and and see that there's cases coming in daily. And most of the public don't know that. They think that it's a once a month or once a year type thing. Uh, we get reports all the time. Yeah. And to mention, too, that it's like, what, one out of 10 people that will report yes, sir. a sighting that they see. And mm -hmm. that, that's a huge deal. I mean, if you're getting reports every day, that means a lot more people are seeing this. This is a lot more prevalent than is, you know, uh, out there right now or the reports that are coming in. Yes, sir. So that's a, that's a huge deal. Even though some of the reports can be explained away, come to a down-to-earth explanation, because some some people are not, uh, 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 what's the word I'm looking for? They don't look at the sky very much. They look at their phones, so they might not know a celestial object or what a satellite looks like. or you know. And so that's what we try to do is root those things out. And sometimes when we do come to an unknown, it doesn't mean it's a an extraterrestrial spaceship from another planet. It just means we went through our entire checklist and we can't come to a, you know, down to earth explanation of what the individual saw. But most of the time when people report a UFO sighting to MUFON, I mean, they really, uh, they had to, it really bothered them and they wanted to get it, get it out. And they had to do the research to find MUFON and then submit the report. But you are correct about the one to 10 ratio. Usually one person sees it but actually 10 people see it and that that's the one person that makes that report. Yeah. So. And, and when they actually go to and submit the report, I mean, it's quite, uh, you know, Tedious. they're just, yeah. yeah, there's a lot of questions that are being asked. You got to really mean, you know, your, your submission at that point to, you know, to submit it and then wait for a reply. Right. So, uh, yes, yeah, I always, I always thought that was fascinating. Obviously the States has a lot more, uh, citing reports than Canada does, but you guys have a, a larger population as well. California is very populated. So they see, you know, there's a lot more reports there as well, but, uh, just, the United States in general seems to be such an active hotspot for UAP sightings. I know that's taken place everywhere else, but you never hear anything coming from China. And I don't think they're ever going to admit that they're having a problem with this as well. But it's, you know, the United States is what basically, you know, when we think UFOs or crash landing, it's always Roswell or uh, one of these incidences. So, uh, yeah, no, it's great to, to, to be on it. Now, I want to talk about the star team sure. uh, with MUFON. So, um, first of all, what kind of training goes into becoming a star team and what does the star team do? Oh, well, uh, well, there's, if I can break it up into two parts, the star team in the beginning, the very beginning of MUFON, we were only five people. They had, you know, PhDs. They were, uh, they were just like the best of the best of investigators. And, um, the only time where that spread out to where more MUFON field investigators could become star team is when Bigelow stepped in and started funding UFO research. And uh, that was the first time um, me and many others got paid because MUFON, we don't, we don't 
collect a paycheck. This is all volunteering. Um, it's a nonprofit organization. Uh, but that th these cases that were uh, that you would get paid for were uh, they, it wasn't like a simple lights in the sky. It would be a category two or type or category two or three type cases, and those dealt with close encounters of the first, second, third, fourth, and fifth kind, landing trace evidence maybe material recovered. And if we ever were lucky, maybe a crash retrieval, if we could beat men in black or the military, you know? So that was, that was the goal of when Bigelow stepped in. Now I'm still having to answer your question about training. That would be, uh, you've been an investigator for quite some time. You know what uh, I mean? But yeah. Yeah. So you, like to be yeah. on the star team is to be on for, for a while or yeah, you talk about, yeah, me. Yeah. I'm, I'm backing up. I'm sorry. Yeah. Hopping around too much. So you would have to be an investigator for a while and kind of know your stuff. And then usually the state director or assistant state director would be like, you know, you're a great investigator. You're doing a great job. We're putting you on the star team. The star team now isn't like that, but back during the Bigelow times, that's what was, that's what they were calling it. It was basically STAR was an acronym for Strike Team for Area Research. It's supposed to be a rapid response special unit to deploy anywhere in the United States in 24 hours to deal with a case that would have evidence. Right. Uh, but Bigelow Aerospace Advanced Space Studies and MUFON created this SIP project. SIP stood for STAR Impact Project. So that's the project I was talking about. And that went on for about a year. And it was cool. I, I mean, I had, you couldn't make a living doing it. Um, I don't know. I was a little naive. When I was 20, I was like, I'm going to make a living doing this. Now, I only had two cases in a year. They had to be really good cases that, that you know, that I'd get paid for. And, I, and it's basically 100 bucks a case. But they covered, um, or uh, individual. So if I interviewed you and, and somebody else, it might be 200 bucks. But everything was covered. Your hotel, your flight, your rent-a-car. It was it was it was really cool, and it actually worked. It showed that MUFON could have a a quick reaction type force, and I I would say I've heard other people have different opinions, but from my opinion, it was very successful. Right. So, yes, and speaking sir. of cases, uh, Hangar One UFO Files was a show just dedicated to talking about MUFON cases, yes, sir. and uh, you were on it for quite a few years. Are there any that really stand out or stick with you as being like sort of your favorites or most popular? Like of all the MUFON, what yeah. are the ones that you really feel are worth looking at? Well, the okay, if you're talking about Hangar One, most of all those cases the eyewitness witnesses gave permission to have their story told. Yeah. Some of my personal base best cases, they don't want nobody knowing. So I can't really, I can tell you what happened, but I can't give details. But I, I've had a, a star team case through Bigelow where two individuals were driving down the road and a UFO came and took them, took them and the car. Nice. And uh, yeah, so uh, I interviewed those guys. What a very strange case. I, matter of fact, I'll, I'll elaborate on that. And I'll tell you a little bit about how that was. So these two guys went on a vacation and uh, they were heading back home and they had about a four hour drive to, to, to their destination. And they decided to pull off the road because they saw a bunch of groundhogs. One of the, the passenger, I'll call him witness B was an amateur photographer and he wanted to get out and take pictures of these groundhogs. So when he got out, he started taking it. They started getting a feeling like they were being watched and they needed to get out of there. They kind of didn't even have to communicate with each other. It just, it just got spooked for some reason. Their intuition was 
I guess, kicking in overdrive. So they got in the car and it was probably a mile after they started driving or a minute when they started driving. And all of a sudden a flying saucer, like the bottom of a, of a plate, just comes right over the top of their car and stays with them. And so the guy puts metal to the, you know, pedal, uh, it starts to go as fast as he can to outrun it. And while he's doing it, the passenger's looking out the window and he sees this naked man running through the desert. And now keep in mind, they're going about 80 to 90 miles an hour. Okay. And this thing's catching up to him and it's running at, it's running diagonal while they're going straight down the road. And so obviously it was going faster than a car. And by the time it got close, it was like a, it wasn't a human. The head they just, they both described looked like an upside down teardrop, a big head, little neck, looked like, and the head was kind of cocked this way, like the head looked too heavy, you know, like it was having right. a hard time holding its head, but it was running up, running up to the car. And so they have this coming their way and they've got a UFO over their head or a flying saucer. And the next thing you know, there was a big loud bang and the whole, when, when that being got close to the car and the whole car lit up bright white and they felt like they were being lifted up they have no memory on what happened um all they know is they were driving down the road they were giggling and having a good time and then the guy goes the pat witness b the passenger goes hey didn't we hit somebody because they had a rental car and it's like didn't we hit something and then the other guy's like yeah you know what i do remember a bang so they pulled outside of the road wondering wondering why they couldn't remember any more details and when they started to walk around the car that's when all their memories came back of them trying to outrun the saucer above their head and this being running alongside of the, in a desert, catching up to them. Um, they had two hours of missing time. They should have been home a lot sooner. Um, so they, it really shook them up once they started going back and forth and they contacted, they contacted MUFON. And during that time, that's when Bigelow, project was started so they took it very interesting uh they, they found that a, a case of interest so bigelow sent their team out first not move on and when bigelow arrived at the house or called them i don't remember how the details went they were really upset because they contacted move on and they were wondering why bigelow aerospace is calling them and so they decided they didn't want to talk to move on they didn't want to talk to anybody communication just stopped. And then I got a call from Richard Lang, who was my star team manager during the time. And he knew I was a friendly, pretty friendly guy, easy to approach. And he wanted me to give it a second attempt. So about two weeks later, I was able to win their trust and actually conduct a proper investigation. And um, supposedly that vehicle, this is where my part stops. I just write up the report. But supposedly that rent-a-car was from Hertz. And I believe that Bigelow bought it. And uh, we had a science advisor named, um, scientific advisor named uh, Chuck Malden. And I believe he scanned it. And what was the only thing they got off that vehicle was a high electromagnetic radiation coming off the windshield, which doesn't make sense. This is several weeks later. Okay. Right. So uh, I asked Chuck, I said, why, you know, this is made out of uh, breakaway glass. It shouldn't be doing that. Why is this happening? And his, his answer to me was shocking. He goes, well, I think when they took them, they didn't open the car doors. They just pulled them through the windshield. That's what he was thinking. You know, right. so it just kind of went over my head. But Chuck Chuck's a, Chuck was a scientist, and I believe he worked at Los Alamos. Don't quote me on that. 
but he he was a UN weapons inspector, and I believe he, Saddam Hussein had a head out on him for something that happened during Desert Storm, inspecting that kind of stuff. But uh, but um, yeah, that that would be an interesting guy to interview because he got to look at the evidence and check all that stuff. So, but I I will never forget that case because I actually believe it really happened. These guys were scared out of their minds. Um, it's really hard to fake that, uh, and I I just kind of feel like they. We're hoping we would have answers for them. And I'm so sorry. I don't I just. It, you know, you know we interviewed uh, Calvin Parker and he mm -hmm. was mentioning about his experience with his uh, friend, which I always forget the name of his, his uh, Charlie, Charlie, Charlie Hicks. Right. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. yeah. Um, and, you know, just to hear that story and I had wondered if he had ever had a, a follow-up because we hear about these one-offs, we call them one-offs because there's, either people to have it run in their family where like mom and dad, mom or dad got abducted. Now they get abducted and then their children are getting abducted. So there's like a, a family relation there. And then there's one-offs like, you know, we're thinking Travis Walton, for instance, where they don't come back. They don't take them again. There's no previous history of abductions. So mm -hmm. I've always wondered what these one-offs were all about because it seems to not go with the theme of, you know, following the family, line uh it's sure? just yeah just this one time of like somebody getting taken and it was like a you know a, a, a one night stand if you will there's not going to be a right, different right. experiment <laughs> maybe, maybe just one was... is ongoing and one is you know looking for something different and yeah. you need to go back yeah i, I remember uh, i've met travis many times he comes to colorado and speaks and we always go out to dinner and i remember one time you remember the movie fire in the sky he had he had little mini posters that he was selling and i was like hey i want to get one of those so when he signed it you know he signs his name but he leaves a little quote and his quote was take my advice stay in the truck <laughs> so to answer your question i think it was just an, an op uh being at the wrong place or being at the right place at the wrong time kind of scenario uh it seemed like that ufo was doing something out there travis got out of the truck got under it it's highly possible that even my UFO sighting of how I was trying to get under it and it backed away. It didn't want anybody to get right under it. Maybe there's something harmful to that. Maybe Travis really, you know, got real seriously hurt and they took him, fixed him and brought him back several days later. Um, and, uh, uh, you know, I, I, even to this day, I, I would say my opinion of Travis is he's a haunted man. You know, it really, I mean, that was a long time ago and it still affect him. You know yeah. what I mean? You know, it's affected his life. And I, I know he has regrets. I, I think he probably wish he did stay in a truck. That, that, that would be kind of, um, yeah, wrong place at the wrong time. Maybe that's why he hasn't had any other experiences, just that one time thing. But we have cases where there, that is a question that I'll ask when people are having multiple sightings or having a really big sighting, I would ask him, have you seen any more? And then there will be like, when I was a little kid, but my mother's seen it and my grandma's seen it and she talks about it. And you start to see that there, it kind of follows the, you know, yeah. then that woman will have a daughter and then the daughter will be saying she's been seeing things. And it's just, yeah, that, that pattern is, is very real. And I don't know. I've, I've been here. I've heard that a thousand times, you know? Yeah. Well, even like I was mentioning before, I've mentioned this a few times on the podcast, but, uh, you know, when people find out that you're interested in the topic, 
they'll come and approach you or they'll say, you know what, my, my grandfather saw something one time when he was fishing. It's always somebody that's fishing or walking a dog or smoking. I think those are the people that only see uh, uh, UFOs or UAPs. But somebody knows somebody who's seen something enough to convince them that that was true. Like, oh, if you knew my grandfather, you know, he wouldn't lie. And oh, he yeah, said right? he saw that, right? It's like, dude, everybody knows. Like, if you haven't seen one yourself, you know somebody. You're directly in link with somebody who has had an experience. Mm -hmm. um, even talking with, uh, you know, the people inside the CIA and uh, the, the Department of Defense, people in there are having experiences for crying out loud they're waking up with you know the three little guys in their bedrooms You're, like that's it's not just the general population it's people inside the department of defense people in the military like this is a huge issue that is you know like we're keeping it hush hush but as you've been working on this for like 15 years uh have you come across anybody like that like somebody who's like deep in the stage just saying hey you're doing a good job or there's something there to it oh yeah yeah, yeah. i i I would say the intelligence community, Department of Defense, they take this very, very seriously. Yeah. I think some of them are very scared. Um, but yeah, there's an interest in it, especially in the aerospace community. Mm -hmm. um, a lot of these guys, like even Robert Bigelow, uh, has said what he thought was valuable information. If we could just get a case where someone said they were on board the craft, he wanted to know what, what the person saw. He wanted to know what the cockpit looked like. Right. That's very valuable information to What's them. What's the really, smell? That's what yeah. I want to know. What's the smell in there, right? Like in, in a ship. What's the smell like? He was willing to pay money for it. So, yeah. Uh, yeah. so, uh, and that was because that was a big question with me and my uh, a bunch of my colleagues was like, why is he paying us for reports? It's because they find anything to do with the craft very, you know, anything that we can learn from. A person's experience is valuable information that they were willing to pay. I've heard that statement many and times. And if you can figure out zero point energy, that's yes, game over. He who gets there first wins, you know, in terms of military and everything else moving forward. If you have technology similar to what UFO would have, mm -hmm. you can't go to war with a, with a group of people like that, right? Mm -mm. Well, and I, and I, I, I thought about you, that. I thought about why do they put the classification systems on that kind of stuff? Even if they had figured it out, they would probably stamp it top secret. And I think the reason would be, you know, we always think being suppressed and let's stay with the oil and combustion engines. I could see we would have to kind of spiritually grow up yeah. because that's an enormous amount of power that you can grab from the ether and travel the cosmos, right? You get some disgruntled teenager or somebody that's got problems they could probably make a bomb out of it in their garage and not just blow up our planet, but the entire solar system. You don't understand the range yeah. of how powerful zero point is. And I believe that zero point energy, I've heard, I've talked to people in the field. That's, that's something of great interest um, of how these vehicles fly. But of course we could talk about Nikola Tesla and magnetics and you know, I, I don't think, I think that's why they call them UAPs. They don't call them UFOs because these objects are not flying. Yeah. They, they, and it's not always a craft or a yeah. physical object either. Right. Sometimes it's spooky orb-like things or just lights or energies or whatever. But to what I wanted to ask you, like, yes, you've been doing this years. What do you sum it up as? A lot of people have various theories. Like we chatted with Daryl Sims a little while ago, sure. and he was saying that the aliens we recognize are either created or hatched or cloned from the yeah. real minds in the universe and they're just doing the work of it but yet that's all we get to see and he seems to think that it's 
not friendly and more more on the nefarious, I guess, type of side. So, like, do okay. you think these are interstellar travelers, interdimensional? Are they here? Are you know, like, when yeah. you're when you go to bed at night and you got to try to make sense of all this, what do you think about? I know that's a t- difficult question. No, I can answer it. I'll what do you, you generically just... think this whole bloody thing is? I would say that I a part of me, my intuition feels that there's something that we haven't thought of yet. Okay. But everything you just said has crossed my mind. Are they here? Do they walk amongst us? Are the greys more robotoid clones that are just busy worker bees to carry out a task? And all the tall greys, are they in charge? Or are the reptilians? You hear hear, what I call that? I call that the lore, the lore of ufology and stories that you hear. Um, There's one thing that I know, and nobody can convince me, is us human beings that yeah I, I i can argue with a religious person about this or whatever we don't know who we are we don't know why we're here we don't know what this reality is i think if we or, or what this place is if we had the true answers to those questions okay not that something my teacher told me or a book told me or things that were passed down we might be able to solve this i do know that consciousness plays a huge key role to this that's that's hardly not really discussed I mean, it is here and there, but my experience with that UFO, there was a consciousness link. I forgot to throw that in there. I mean, if you ever go outside and see a UFO, I would recommend you should say in your mind, hey, if you are who I think you are, move to the left to verify and see if it does. Because this this isn't just me. This is I hear this a lot. So I'm going to just sum this up. This is what I think contact would be like. It won't be like a UFO landing on the White House lawn. And an alien come out and say, take me to, to your leader or whatever. You know what I mean? It'll be more like we all wake up one day and I had this dream I want to tell you about. And you had the same dream too. We all had the same dream. I think that's how consciousness, uh, the contact of meeting these things. Because when, from what I hear is when you make eye contact with these things, you're completely naked. I mean, you, there is a telepathic communication. They're inside your mind. You can't hide nothing, you know, if you want to lie or whatever, and you're an open book. And for people that have never experienced that for the first time, that's that reality transformation. That's when your mind is just blown. You didn't even know you were capable of doing that. You might be hearing my voice in your head, but I'm not moving my mouth. And I've heard this a lot. I've I've had a case recently where a guy just made eye contact with a a praying mantis type being that was on his property and uh, they were communicating just for that few seconds and um, for him it was kind of a psychological rape because he you know it's your mind it's your territory and this thing was all in it but he was also in the mind of that being too um, and I've, I've heard that a lot well we we don't really usually a move on uh, I mean, we hear these things. We have a thing called ERT that will deal with those type of situations. But I mostly focus on nuts and bolts or basically citing reports. Now, the nuts and bolts type craft, I really think some of these might be ours. I know the TR-3B, the Black Triangle, you can't say that that's ours because that, that there's reports back in the 1800s and before of triangle-shaped craft. So you got to keep that in mind. But if it's metal urgy, I'm kind of on the fence. Could this be a top secret aerospace, new high-tech drone, like the Tic Tac UFO? I, I just don't, 
for me, I'm, I'm on the fence on it. That could be one of ours. You know, that's what I think. But uh, yeah. a new type of drone that could go underwater in the atmosphere and in space. I'm willing to to say we need to look a little bit deeper on that. But um, when it comes to the other UFOs that are just lights or dimensional, like mine was kind of dimensional when I looked at the light and I followed the leading edge of the beams that came out, it started to become more transparent. So it almost looked like it was a cloaked ship and the sunshine was just bouncing off it at a certain, or, or part of the ship wasn't, um, uh, I was just seeing one part of the ship. There might've been a bigger object that was there because and I think that happens a lot. I've seen, um, I know they hide in clouds, um, get a lot of reports of that. People think there's a cloud above them. And I've actually had a sighting of my own, very similar to that. But, but uh, I've had sightings throughout my whole life. And for me, being a MUFON investigator, I, I do want to learn as much as I can. And I am, I'm still learning after 17 years, but I'm also there to help people, let them know that, no, you're not crazy. I've been through it too. I know you can't talk to your neighbors about it, but you know, yeah. some, you know, some reassurance. That's the best. And I, I feel like I'm doing a good service to humanity. And and, it, and actually, I'm also a patriot. If Uncle Sam wants to see what we're doing, it's fine with me too. I don't care. What it, I think we all need to kind of work together to solve this phenomenon. I think it's very, very important, and it's definitely worthy of investigating. Definitely. You, you mentioned as well about the consciousness thing and that these crafts seem to be conscious. Like when you're looking yes. at one, you're not just looking at like the way you would look at a, a driver behind the wheel of a car, you know, it's a car, but mm -hmm. somehow when you're looking at these crafts, you're like, that is a conscious, mm -hmm. it's a consciousness that I'm looking at. It's not just a craft sure. and they respond to people on the ground. They, you know, uh, speak telepathically to people. It's not just, you know, the speaking telepathically, it's the transfer of emotions, feelings, mm -hmm. thoughts, yep. ideas. It's like an invasion uh, and because you, it's stuff that you never had before. You've never had that ability before. And somehow they hold the key to that. And they keep mentioning to people, raise your consciousness. Or mm -hmm. if they get people to fly their ships, they said, well, the ships operate on my consciousness. My consciousness extended to the ship. So yep. consciousness has a huge part to play in this. And, Very. Uh, you know, I keep thinking about this, like we're humans right now, all three of us, uh, we're conscious, but we're created from the universe. So technically we're conscious because of the universe. That might be something that if life across the galaxy or the universe uh, is like that, we're all the same consciousness. We just happen to inhabit different bodies and we're different evolutionary scales, right? Uh, but yeah, no, this, this is, a, sorry, I just went down the rabbit hole, but that's usually where it leads, right? Uh, you keep questioning these things. I actually wish people would talk more about it or just kind of get it because if you approach a UFO and you think that you're going to be okay with distance and you're not going to be, you're not going to have no interaction, you might be wrong because they know you see them. If you see them, they see you and whatever you're thinking, you know, uh, I, I've, I've had it, I've had it happen to me. I've had the emotions. I've had, um, extreme amount I, I, I don't even can't even find the right word for it but it's close to love like I, I don't know if you can I know you can't remember but if you were a baby and your mom holding you yeah I know it's just it's just so strange that there is emotion there is sometimes um intellectual type stuff like a couple people became uh, started writing down uh you know algebra equations and they're not even into math. 
it changes people. And actually, uh, some people become psychic just from the experience. Uh, you know, it's like riding a bike and you, you know, you, you never forget. So when you're forced into this experience, you start to realize that yourself, that you have psychic abilities, because it's not just that thing took over you. It was y'all were working together. You know what I mean? And then the thing leaves and you're, and you're like, oh my God, there is something to this. And you start to realize later on through your life, you start to feel like you're a superhero because you, you get that intuition. I should, I should uh, slow down. And then all of a sudden I'm really glad I slowed down because a wreck happened right in front of me or, you know, things like that. Um, or, I mean, I can just go on a whole range, but it's extra sensory perception or your intuition has increased. Yeah. Than, than a normal standard that you used to have so yeah, yeah it's, I would... it, even with uh with people like when uh it was talked about that quite a bit with uh louie just about like how you can feel somebody's vibe uh yep. you know when you're like you're yep. getting a bad vibe from somebody and you're like there's something wrong with this person and it turns out either that day or later on you find out they're a complete douchebag uh <laughs> you know and that's that's usually you had that feeling about them right that, that yep. usually doesn't lead you astray and no, uh no. I, I find it's a part of our you know we all do it but we don't talk about it because it's not something that we can even animals have it sense. You, yeah dogs are leery of certain people and you find out they were a backstabber or whatever Maybe yeah, they're they're tuning into some different frequency that we're not, but there's probably yeah. something to it for sure. And yeah. on the topic of consciousness, sure. we do have the sure. odd message. Go ahead, sorry, Jeremy. No, I I just remember in the army. I'm sorry, I was 82nd Airborne Paratrooper, and I don't know, maybe my drill sergeant was making stuff up, but he he was talking about silent kills. I was infantry. I'm sorry, and, and when you're going to sneak up on an enemy and kill them, do not look at the back of their head. Look at their hands and look at their feet when you go do the kill because the enemy might feel that they're being watched. So don't focus your intent on the back of their head. And I was like, whoa, 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 wait a second. Time out. Is that in the army manual? And then, of course, by asking questions, I'm doing push-ups again. Yeah. But uh, he was right. I mean, do, do an experiment. Just sit behind somebody and just stare at the back of their oh, yeah. head yeah. and watch their body move. You know, we do have that. Um I'm just saying that uh, the UFO situation, the real ones, not the ones we make, uh, they, it's, it, I can't describe the words. It's like it would cause a religious experience or a spiritual experience. Yeah. You can't get out of it. You know, so yeah. and got, some people give us you. a hard time and they say, you know, why do you guys talk about consciousness it's supposed to be just UFOs and this yep. and that? Well, an opinion is one thing until you have new information. And then if you don't adapt your opinion, you're being willfully ignorant. You're blocking mm -hmm. out stuff that has validity just because you're saying, I don't want to go there. But yep. the more and more we talk to people that are educated, been studying this for years, people like Leslie Kane that have even had their own experiences too and, and talk about life after death. And it's more in that realm now than it's ever been. And if we really mm -hmm. want to understand it, if it comes from that, we're never going to get there if we don't look at that. And, you know, true scientists, you know, we've had Avi Loeb and Jacques Vallée on the show and they reserve judgment and say, I don't mm -hmm. know. I just go by what the information is telling me. And they've changed their mind a dozen times yep. because as new things come into the picture, you have to consider that or eliminate it. But you don't eliminate it until you first really consider it and, and know it up and down. So consciousness is definitely more and more and more of something that we have to look at. It's this stranger of the sciences. You know, we like yes. to stay in the nuts and bolts world because we think we understand that. And we're just starting to get a grip on that. 
And now it's this whole rabbit hole of things that are far beyond. And even in the world of like paranormal and poltergeist mm -hmm. and guys like George Knapp talking about going to Skinwalker Ranch and the hitchhiker effect. Oh, yeah. People yeah, that have had that like, happen to me. Yeah, they've had like UFO sightings and then poltergeist in the house. Yep. How are they connected? Even Bigfoot and UFO. Like it's crazy, but it's coming up a lot. So there might be something to it, you know? Well, what we do is we compartmentalize or we put things in categories. This is a ghost. This is you up, you know, this is Santa Claus. Yeah. This is Tooth Fairy. But um, I'm starting to think that the paranormal is kind of all the same. When you start thinking, and I've had cases that I could, I've had a case where a woman's having poltergeist activity, but she doesn't, she's not a religious person. Yeah. So she thinks it's aliens, right? Mm -hmm. And anybody else is like, you need a priest, right? I'm just saying. Same thing if I introduced you to a reptilian alien, big tall thing, but you saw the movie Predator, okay? So you know that thing's not going to kill you because you're not armed. But if you're armed, it's going to kill you. That's that's the rules in the movie. Or pregnant. Then you have somebody or pregnant. <laughs> okay. Or you, and, and then someone else who's very religious or whatever would think that's the devil, Bobby Boucher. Yeah. So we all have our points of view. Ghosts supposedly walk through walls. I've heard that aliens walk through walls when people are getting abducted. They're just, they just come through the door or just walk right through it. Very similar to that case I was telling you about, about how Chuck Malden thought those two people were pulled through the windshield. If you think about it, if we want to break an atom, if you made it the size of the bas a basketball, the electrons spinning around it would be miles away. You have yeah. a tremendous amount of space in between there. And if you can change the vibration of that and change the vibration of the solid object, theoretically, you could walk through. Not a problem. I, 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 and I don't know how they do it. I've always wondered how they do it, how they're able to walk it through people's walls or pull people through their cars. Um, I've, I've heard stories of UFOs look like they're about to crash into a mountain, but they just go through it. You would, you would have to think, it's kind of like what Einstein said, if they could travel the vast universe, they, we're going to have difficulty trying to shoot them down with our machine guns on our, on our airplanes. You know, they could travel through water they could travel through anything. Yeah. I, I think overall, it's not just one answer. I think we're being visited by others that are not us. I think we have, I'm actually willing to say 85% of all UFOs are probably ours. We manufacture and make them, but there are the unknowns. And then you have things that are dimensional that, um, yeah. And, and if Daryl Sims thinks they're bad, I, I would say as above below, I mean, we really, we can't leave the planet. You and me can't leave the planet, but it'd be really cool if we could leave and go explore and learn about what's going on out there. We can only learn. We can only talk about what we know here. Yeah. So you've got, can't say humans are bad. You got Jeffrey Dahmer and then you have, you know what I mean? You, yeah. you, you always. Yeah. So I kind of think that that's, that's healthy. That's a healthy statement. You can't, I hear people that say they're all good. If you say they're bad, you're wrong. It's like, man, that's when you're closing yourself off. You got to be open-minded. I mean, I got like, I think I actually like what Stan Freeman used to say about the, the folders. You have one folder that's factual. You know, these are true. And the others, the other folder that's um, BS. And then you have the gray folder. You're not sure, but you put it in there and you wait for more information later on in the future that might surface that you can fall back on. So I don't really disprove anything. We, I just know that it's just amazing that where we are today, we still don't have the answers to these questions. And I think that's what makes life amazing. I mean, there's so many mysteries out there.
Um, if we had all the answers, it'd probably be really boring. But I've been with MUFON for actually 17 years now, and I still haven't found an answer that has satisfied me. So, Have you found a, a change, though, like within the last five years? Yes, like, sir. Have you noticed that it's a, it's a big change, oh, yeah. right? Big. big how how yeah. has that affected you? Well, uh, I've been on podcasts where I've been ridiculed. I've been punked, like MTV punked. You know, uh, they play the cheesy X-Files music in the background. Uh, the back in the day, we would, as a UFO investigator, we would have to present our evidence to, to explain why this is worthy of investigation. And they would always bring on a debunker, you know, to keep it balanced. Once mainstream media went public with the Tic Tac and the government coming out, change, a change happened. I mean, even... Um, some of my relatives or people that, you know, that never believed it now believe it because they, because the media is saying it. And I'll tell you what, I'll tell you this and move on right now. Sometimes we would get a few people that had interesting backgrounds, but to, that want to be an investigator. Now we're getting people that have extraordinary backgrounds that want to be an investigator. They've always wanted to be an investigator, but they were afraid of the ridicule tinfoil hat scenario. And, they now they think it's okay to come in. I, we had a homicide detective that was one of our chief investigators for a year, and his supervisor said, you, and "This is like way back in the day." He said, uh, "You can't you can't be doing move on because when he's in court, just imagine the prosecutor and defense going back and forth. Well, aren't you into conspiracy theories? And then pull out the move on bag, and then of course you're trying to prosecute this guy for murder. So he had to step down because that might have affect his real job. And I believe." A lot of people were held back because of the judgment. But now that it's accepted through mainstream media, I'm seeing a whole bunch of awesome walks of life, talent that are that want to be members and join the organization. So to me, that's a big change because I've been at MUFON for a long time and I've never seen it like this before. Uh, so a huge boom to, to the MUFON. Yes. Yeah. Yes, sir. Absolutely. What do you That's think good. is coming next? Like, I mean, there's been a lot of talk in 2022, you know, congressional hearings, the report. I'm of the mindset that I don't care what's in the report. It's going to be scrubbed and exactly yeah. how they want it and dumbed down. We just get more frustrated the more we wait for them to give us yeah. what we're looking for and the more it doesn't happen. So I'm more of the mindset that this is going to come from private sector science initiatives like Galileo Project, guys like Rob mm -hmm. Freeman going around the world with high-tech gear and David Mason and those kind of guys. What, where do you think this is going to go in 2023 and moving forward? I think uh, MUFON will play a big role. Um, I do. I don't. I'm hearing rumors and things like that. And don't say nothing, Jeremy. Okay, fine. So I'll just give you my two cents. Yeah. I think Congress, um, they got a bunch of money in that package to deal with UFOs. I don't know the name of the package, but they're going to start spreading out, not just the Department of Defense investigating, but looking for even people like us, third party investigators have been doing this for ever, you know, um, and trying to just stretch out their resources to try to come to an understanding of what that is. Uh, NASA, I always thought NASA stood for not always a straight answer. So, you know, I'm on the same boat with you. I kind of feel like it really pissed me off when they're like, this is a new thing. Mm -hmm. This is yeah, not yeah. a new thing. This has been going on for a long time. And I can't believe they even pulled that card. That's an insult, not just to my intelligence, but even the normies that know better. Um, but I do think that there's always an agenda to, hey, let's call them a threat so we can get money for our defense budget. And 
and maybe they are a threat. I don't know, but I think we shouldn't even go that route. What we should do is spend the money to try to solve this this mystery that we still haven't been able to solve. If the military's got crash retrievals and you've got wreckage, let's roll that out. Why do you got to get a small community of scientists? You know, your next Einstein could be a poor kid in a foreign country that will never have that opportunity to study that. So I think you should, if you haven't solved the mystery yet, you should open the doors for everybody because I think there'll be somebody out there that'll slowly but surely we'll start to understand what this is unless they already know and they're holding it back from us hey, i'm pretty sure we're being visited um by something that's not not us but hey, let's see some evidence you know it's extraordinary claims yeah. I'm, I'm really looking forward to that so i think disclosure i, I just got this gut feeling disclosure is going to be a lie uh, sorry the second disclosure will be the truth and that'll we'll have evidence we'll have something we'll be able to hold in our hands it's just a gut instinct. I know it's just just the way I've seen it. I, I'm actually really surprised that a few years ago they came out and decided to push it. Yeah. Why now? Is it y'all spending way too much money covering it up that you're just tired of covering it up? Or is something coming? Or do you need that scare card because your fear, your fear mongering is just, you know, you know, we got to do a bigger pill here. Aliens, everybody get inside your house. You know, I don't know. I just don't. Um, to me, it's like WW wrestling. I just kind of feel like it's fake. Yeah. And uh, what's real is people are seeing things that they can't explain. And these these objects defy the laws of physics. I mean, even our best planes, we can't pin them down. But you got companies like Raytheon that invented an awesome device that's mounted on these fighter jets to scan different, uh, uh, you know, like uh infrared and all that so they can catch capture these objects because sometimes these objects are invisible to the naked eye yeah. infrared will pick it up uh just so many we got a, a bunch of technology that we should utilize to try to you know get as many answers as we can um and i don't think censorship or oh we need to classify ufos as top secret nobody's allowed to look at the ufo picture i think that's the wrong way to go unless i understand it's our stuff and we want to hide it from foreign countries right. for the competitive edge in the military. I totally get that, but uh, I don't care about that. I care about what's going on out there and who's coming to visit us. And the often, are, yeah, they're probably they're probably here, they're probably underwater. There's so many places you could hide. And it could be all of the above. It could be yes, extraterrestrial. It could be extraterrestrial. It could be interdimensional. It could be that it's a clusterfuck of things happening that yep. the government can't come out and say, "Hey, this is what's happening," and we are losing our heads because we can't keep track of it and there's nothing we can do about it that's like um, hal put off it's basically his report saying it could be a through f it's not yeah. one or the other everything has credence and you should look at the whole body not just pick and choose what suits your bias yes, essentially yeah. right mm -hmm. And putting yep. our egos aside too, this recently I was watching a, a documentary to talk about how apes are now using tools. They're entering the stone age. Like they're using yep. sticks that they sharpen up themselves to hunt for fish. Like they're entering this new stage of evolution. What if that happened to us? What if we were that, you know, when we entered the stone age, a previous species before us just elevated to another level. Like 
monkeys and apes in, in you know in the jungles that's never seen a human don't know that we exist but we coexist with them on the same planet whatever they do affects us and vice versa so you know them living with us here for a long time we're just now paying attention to them that is a new idea that's sort of starting to pop into my head saying ah there's probably some validity to that you know probably and i've thought that thought before many times yeah um okay you're on a boat you're just in a little canoe and you're thinking about fishing or whatever and you look down and you see minnows there's a whole nother universe a whole nother world down there yeah that thing's separated from us and we can look down and I just kind of feel, yeah, we, a lot of people believe that aliens are far away. Okay. There might just be right here, right under our nose. And I think one of the main reasons why people are afraid of aliens, you know, the one norm normies is they're afraid that they will treat us the same way we treated animals. Yeah. You know, it's that, that fear. Um, and I just kind of feel like, yeah, the fear of unknown. I mean, I, I totally get it, but, um, I'm pretty sure there's some friendly ones out there and we can learn a lot from each other and learn a lot about ourselves. Uh, I mean, just look at all the species that are on this planet, insects, bugs, you walk out your backyard and just take your finger and dig through the dirt and find something. And this is just one planet, you know? Yeah. So if you look at like Stephen Hawking said, you know, you should never try to reach out because anytime a more advanced civilization has encountered a lesser advanced one, it didn't turn out so good for them. But that's being said with human blinders on Mm -hmm. because maybe we're flawed and that's how we behave. Maybe Mm -hmm. there is a love and care and benevolence in the universe that sees that that's how we are and realizes that's not good because it leads to war and eventually self-destruction. Like you don't advance to their level if you blow yourself up after a million years of evolution. You know, some of these civilizations could have been around who knows how long. And to get to your point, Jason, on evolution, when we chatted with Michael Paul Masters, he was an anthropologist, basically saying that if you look at where we came from ape-wise, what we look like now, you know, we have shrinking jaws, wisdom teeth issues, Mm -hmm. spinal issues from being more erect than we used to be. He's like, if you just fast forward evolution another however many million years, our heads get bigger because our brains continue to grow. Our eyes become bulbous, skinny little arms and fingers because we're not hunting and foraging anymore. Maybe even a lack of genitalia because we can't reproduce. We've poisoned our genome. So mm-hmm. his theory is that it's us in the future. And that's mm-hmm. just the natural evolution of what we will be at some point. And maybe things go wrong. And this is still the pool. This is the fountain of youth they have to return to to keep us going in the future. So it's very interesting that evolution and is maybe a multi-cycle thing this may be the multiple time this has happened even on our own planet who knows i always wonder what could we offer them in trade i start thinking nothing yeah we can't offer them anything except maybe genetics maybe that's unpolluted genetics yeah correct yeah and uh i mean there's got to be a reason why they're here and you know what maybe we're talking about ego here. Maybe it has nothing to do with us. Maybe it has something to do with the planet or something more important. Yeah. yeah. You know, uh, or that we're not the only planet that they're doing this to. Maybe there's several other planets. It's just a project, obviously expensive project. Uh, but it, maybe it's, it's something that is on a galactical scale. We don't know. 
Yeah, well, if you want to, if you want to like bomb proof your civilization, it would make sense to see many places, you know, mm -hmm. one asteroid and this story doesn't exist anymore. And we right. never existed anymore as far as the record goes. So don't put all your eggs in one basket. Maybe it's just a, an insurance policy on life in general. But all our television broadcasts and stuff will still exist out there in space, traveling That's right. forever. That's right. Traveling yeah. forever. And then one civilization will find us and go, this is an interesting species. We'd love to meet them. And by the time they get here, our planet doesn't even exist anymore. Yeah. You know, I've heard a, I heard a story about a signal that was detected from a, another galaxy. And uh, the intelligence community was able to decipher it. And it seemed like a distress call going out. Uh, but chances are that civilization doesn't exist anymore because yeah. it took billions and billions of years for that signal to even get to us. Right. Even starlight so, is like that. Half of those stars have since disappeared. It's just taken that long for the light to reach our eyes. Yeah. Yeah. I know. It's uh, like I say, I, I would love to boldly go where no man gone before and go <laughs> out there and see it for myself, but we can't do that now. So we can, the least I could do is uh, just accept move on sighting reports of what other people are seeing in their, in their yard or, or wherever. But yeah. Starlink, I'm going to tell you something about Elon. If I ever meet Elon, I'm going to complain. I'm going to be like, listen, every time your satellites goes over a populated area, we get slammed with reports. Just, it's an explosion. And uh, it's, been, it's been a pain in the hiney, but we got a, we got a simpler way to shutting those down now. So, yeah. but back in the day, I would, yeah, you would, it just, it just be coming <laughs> in 20, 30 reports. And it's like, oh my God. But, uh, if you haven't seen it, it looks very interesting. It looks like UFOs flying in a formation. Yeah. They're real close together and they almost look like they're they're not out there. They seem like they're flying low. But uh but yeah, anybody can check that out and get on heavens above and see where all the satellites are going. We we utilize that um that uh we utilize that. You you, you heard of heavens above, right? Heavens uh, above? Yeah, I haven't used the site myself, but I've heard of it. Yeah, just tells you where most of the, what's really cool about that website is it'll tell you how bright the satellites are. Right. The sun is hitting the needle or the solar flares. It'll, it'll tell you the, you know, how bright it would be. Would it, would you, would someone be able to see that? Yeah. Sometimes when people call it, I saw a light way in the sky and it got real bright and then it took off like, like the Millennium Falcon. Well, I'll go to heavens above immediately and I'll right. see where they were standing and see what satellite flew over because that's kind of what it looks like once the once the sun is reflecting off it it gets real bright and then you don't see it anymore and due to the sci-fi movies and our conditioning of we're thinking it warped out of there and so we get a lot of reports of that but i like those because i can explain those but uh, yeah but then you still get the occasional person that's like i was telepathically communicating with it man it's like not a satellite like it was a one-sided conversation <laughs> well then then most of the time if they willingly um bring that up before I even asked a question. I, th I think a normal person would be like, okay, you're nuts. Mm -hmm. Not me. You got my undivided attention. Tell me more. What were you thinking? What were you thinking before that situation? What were you thinking that day? Yeah. Were you thinking about UFOs before that day? And then a person would be like, yeah, I was thinking about it. And then I saw one, I guess that's not going to make me look credible. I would argue. No, 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 no. It's the other way around. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, there are there are people out there that have ongoing experiences. They can feel them when they're coming. 
Yeah. Well, that's the one thing that I've always been interested in is when, like, mm -hmm. even when you were talking about your story and I've heard you say that story before and it's always that, but there's that feeling, whatever that feeling that you had when you had your sighting and your sighting was over a long period of time. It wasn't just a five mm -hmm. second sighting. I mean, you were at it for what, at least a half an hour, at, at least 15 minutes. And I could have, I could have thrown a rock at it. Right. So that is a, a substantial sighting. So when somebody says, you know, if I saw something like that and it had some sort of telepathic communication, absolutely. And that, now I'm all ears, right? Uh, mm -hmm. I've just more uh, on the fence when somebody says they, they spoke to something. It turns out it was the International Space Station flying well, above them, right? Like that's that's always crazy. Well, you have those two. Yeah. Um, yeah, I don't like talking about those because, but... Oh my God, I could tell you some stories, but you, you know, that's the part of the job, Yeah, you know? So, yeah. Um, Jeremy, we're, we, we, we're going to wrap this up because I know you have to, something to do here, sir. We don't want to uh, make you late for your uh, appointment. Um, Louis, did you have any final questions for our guest today? No, just uh, a quick uh, plug for you, Jeremy, if people want to follow you or find out more, where can they get in touch with you? Um, I, I do have a Facebook account. Um, so if you want to friend me, that's fine. I, I usually don't talk on it, but if you want to private message me, I'll talk. And I have a Twitter account, uh, but it's Ray Mufon. So R-A-Y-M-U-F-O-N. That would be my username. And you can find me. And actually, Mufon at yahoo.com is my email. So if anybody wants to reach out, um, yeah, that's where you'll find me. So. Perfect. So, Jeremy, we thank you so much for coming on UAP Studies today. It's yes, been a blast, and let's not make it the only time. Let's let's have you on again soon, okay? I appreciate that. Thank you. It's just so short. We could we could talk for hours. Oh, for hours on this subject. That's why we love doing it, right? Yes, sir. Perfect. Thank you.